Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. My name is Jonathan. I want to welcome you here in the West Auditorium, as well as everybody worshiping with us in the East Auditorium and everybody joining us online. And I want to invite you to turn in your Bible or your Bible app to John chapter 14. Uh, John chapter 14. We're going to get to that in just a few moments. Uh, But before we do that, we are in part four of a series right now called Unstuck, Teach Me to Pray. And I have to tell you, I am really excited about this series, and here's why. Uh, Like many of us, I've grown up around church. I've heard lots of sermons about prayer. I've read books about prayer. I've read scripture about prayer, and I've actually prayed. And I thought by now, I would have this prayer thing down. And there have certainly been times in my life where I've had this deep and rich prayer life with God, often during seasons of challenge. But there have also been seasons where I've just been left wondering, and I've had questions, and I've had confusion. And, uh, you know, I know prayer is such an important part of who we are and our relationship with God. And yet there are times where I'm left wondering if I'm praying in the right way. And so what do we do with that? Well, as the the great theologian of the the 1990s, M.C. Hammer, put it, (laughs) we need to pray just to make it today. And if you don't get that joke, we're going to move along, okay? (laughs) But here's what I've realized is that uh, as I talk with people about their prayer lives, I find this same thing over and over again. We, we, we pray, but we still have questions and we have confusion. And so it's been my prayer as we prepared for this series, as I prepared for today, that we would each have a deeper and richer understanding of prayer, which would lead us to a deeper and richer understanding of our relationship with God and our connection to Him. And so uh, to quickly review where we've been, because really this series does build upon itself. Um, In the first couple weeks of the series, Pastor Brian talked about a couple things that get in the way of our prayer life. And one of those is cynicism. Another one is uh, just this, this fact that we spend so much time thinking about what we're doing that we miss who we're talking to. And so he reminded us that we need to come to God simply as we would a friend. And one of the ways that we do that is coming to him as a child. And I was reminded of uh, the importance of this a few weeks ago. Um, Our almost three-year-old nephew was with us in our house, and I watched him interact with his parents. And I watched him talk to them about basically everything that came to his mind. And I watched him crawl up on their laps and then crawl back down. And I watched him just at times just sit in absolute contentment with his parents. And I really think that's that's what God wants from us when it comes to prayer. And so with that in mind, last week, Pastor BJ talked about the different circles of our prayer lives. He, he talked about specifically the outer circles of our prayer lives being our community and our world and how God wants us to talk to him about those things. He wants us to pray with an eternal perspective. And when we do that, he moves in powerful ways. And so today, I want to focus on some of those inner circles and particularly the idea of asking God for things. See, God desires for us to ask him for things, and it should be a really simple aspect of our prayer lives. But if I can be honest with you, it's often a point of frustration for me because there are times I have certainly asked God for something and felt either like he didn't respond or that he responded in a very different way than I expected. And so that leads me to a place in my life where I have questions about how prayer works. For instance, what is important enough to ask God for? Or where is the line between asking God selfishly or really genuinely asking him for something? Or are there times when we should or we're allowed to ask God to get us out of something that we have behaved our way into? And so an example of that, and not that any of us have ever prayed this prayer, but a prayer like that would sound like, God, I I know I didn't study for this test, but I sure could use a good grade. So if you could just zap me right now with all the knowledge, that would be really helpful. Or maybe... 
Um, you know, God, I know I haven't taken great care of my car. And I don't know what that sound is, but if you could just put some holy mechanic work into this right now, I would really appreciate that. Or God, I know I haven't really eaten well or, you know, I, ha I haven't exactly worked out in six years, but um, I've got a doctor's appointment tomorrow and could really stand to lose 20 pounds. And maybe this one's a little different, but God, I, I know my children are a gift from you. I know they are, um, but they're driving me nuts. So if you could just zap somebody and make them take my kids tonight, I would really appreciate that. And so while we're on the topic of what is it okay to ask God for, um, a specific one I want to know more about is when do we ask God to bless our food? You see, as Christians, we have this idea um, that we should be thankful for our food, that we should ask God to bless our meal, but we seem to be a little inconsistent about when we do that. For instance, we know that when we sit down at our dining room table with family and friends, we should ask for God's blessing on the food. But what about when we go through a drive-through? There's food to manage, there's money to manage, there's passing out to manage, there's driving to manage, and when do you need to pray in that setting? And just a, just a friendly advice for you, um, if it's something like Chick-fil-A, uh, first of all, great choice. Um, secondly, Chick-fil-A is a Christian restaurant, and so we can assume the food has already been prayed for. So, so probably okay to pass on praying for that. Um, Pizza Hut and Taco Bell, on the other hand, definitely need to pray. Um, again, good choice, but you might be grateful you prayed later. Um, or what about a progressive dinner, okay? Do you pray before you go on the whole evening or as you move from home to home? And here's again some friendly advice. Um, if it's fresh vegetables, God made those. So you probably don't need to pray. If it is homemade sausage that may or may not contain squirrel meat, pray. Okay? Or what about if you go to an event, like a big event, like a wedding where somebody prays for everyone, okay? What do you do then? Um, do you need to double pray? And so I would say if you're, if you're out of the room when the prayer happens, yes, pray. Um, if the prayer was good, you're okay. Um, if the prayer was so-so, probably worth doubling down. Just don't get caught doubling down by the person that prayed the original prayer. Sorry, one last scenario, and this one's for real. What about restaurants? You pray before the appetizer or only the meal? And specifically... We have so many great Mexican restaurants in our town. Do you pray before the chips and salsa? Or only if you have queso? Or before the meal? And I don't know, so if you know, find me afterwards and tell me. I would love to hear what you have to say. And so, that leads us um, to today. And that leads us to John chapter 14, because, you know, it's, prayer is a tricky thing, particularly when it comes to asking God for things. It's tricky. Um, but scripture is really clear that God wants us to do that. And so in John chapter 14, leading up to the passage we're going to look at, Jesus is having a meal with his disciples. And it's the last meal he's going to have with them before he dies. It also happens to be the Passover meal, which is a meal Jewish people would celebrate each year to remember God delivering them from slavery in Egypt and bringing them to the promised land. So it's an important meal. And during this meal, four important things have already happened. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet to model humility for them, remind them to be humble. He has reminded them that he's going to die. 
He has, he has predicted that Judas will betray him, and he has predicted that Peter will deny him. And so you can imagine the tension in the room. This might remind you of some of your, your family meals at uh, holidays, okay? And Jesus must have known it too, because in the very beginning of this passage, the, Jesus' first words are, do not let your hearts be troubled. And so Jesus goes on to remind them that he is leaving them, but he is going to build a place for them that they will someday be with him in. He also reminds them that he is God and that he has been God in flesh, walking with them for three years. And then he says these words in John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. He says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Wow. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If I can be honest with you, that sounds incredible, but it sounds too good to be true. I mean, surely Jesus didn't mean what it sounds like, he said. So just to bring clarity to that, later that evening, Jesus is walking with his disciples, and he goes on in John chapter 15, if you want to flip there really quickly, verses 7 and 8. He says this, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Wow, there it is again. Ask whatever you wish in my name. You know, there are times that, that cynicism creeps in. And we've talked about that over the last few weeks. And we, we were reminded that we have to fight cynicism, and I have to fight cynicism when it comes to this passage because I honestly look at these words and I think, is Jesus exaggerating? Are there stipulations to this that, that I am missing? So as Jesus goes on that night, um, his final teaching with his disciples, he reads these words, he speaks these words in John chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. He says, Very truly I tell you, My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. There is, again, three different times Jesus says, ask and I will give it to you. Ask my Father, and he will give it to you. And I believe Jesus, and I I think these words are incredibly important, but I also have to admit that sometimes my experience doesn't line up with Jesus' words. And I suspect for many of us, there are times when we have asked for God, God for something in Jesus' name and been surprised that it seemed like he didn't answer or that he answered in a way that was very different than we expected. And I remember the very first time in my life that I encountered this. Um, when I was seven years old, uh, my step-grandfather, we called him Grandpa Lloyd, my parents came to him and said, uh, Grandpa Lloyd is really sick and he's not doing well and he may die. And that was the very first time in my life that I prayed fervently for anything. I prayed and prayed and prayed, God, save Grandpa Lloyd, heal him, make him better, save his life. And you know what? Shortly after that, Grandpa Lloyd passed away. And that's been 35 years ago now, and I still remember the sense of loss from that event. Yes, the loss of a family member, but on the other side of things, the loss of this sense that that God heard my prayers, that he cared, and that he really wanted me to ask him for things. See, the truth is that most of us have these same kinds of doubts and questions. We have trouble reconciling Jesus' words with our reality. And yet Jesus said, I want you to ask me, but it's, it's just not that simple, right? 
You know, maybe what Jesus really meant in this passage is if you ask me for something that I've already told you about, something that is part of my work, something that I care about, then I'll give it to you. Maybe that's what Jesus meant. And so maybe if we ask Jesus for humility, we ask God for humility, maybe he'll make us humble. Or if we ask him to help us overcome a sin in our life, he'll help us do that. Or, or maybe if we, we ask him to help us be more generous, maybe he'll do that. Or if we ask him to help us be a better witness in our faith, to share the faith story with others, that, that maybe he'll help us do that. But we know that we're not supposed to ask God for selfish things. For instance, we, we know that we shouldn't ask God for a million dollars or a really nice lake house with a yacht or a Bugatti or, not to be specific, but a brand new black truck with a mega cab or something specific like that. We know we shouldn't ask God for things like that. And we know that prayer is not magic and that it can't be used to manipulate God. And yet Jesus told his disciples to ask. So what do we do with that? Well, fortunately, Jesus' half-brother, James, who wrote the book of James in the, the Bible, he comes to the rescue, and he, he kind of gives us some more guidance in this area. And so James identifies two dangers when it comes to asking God for things. And we find this in James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. James wrote this. He says, first of all, you do not have because you do not ask God. Secondly, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so the first thing that James says here is that we do not have because we do not ask God. And I'll be honest, I've certainly been guilty of that. There are times in my life that I know that I haven't asked God for something because I didn't, I didn't want to be disappointed if he didn't answer it the way that I expected. And yet James says that we shouldn't expect things from God if we don't ask him for those things. So when we choose not to ask, we really are submitting to God before we are real with him. We say, okay, God, whatever you want, before we're honest about where we're coming from. And when we aren't real with God, we run the risk of seeing God as a distant being who doesn't care about the real us. And in time, we lose sight of who God is. And so... I was reminded of this, uh, this idea of the importance of asking God a few years ago um, when I was in small group with, with a guy here and the church and uh, 2016, and he had just taken a job about 60 miles from his home, and he realized he and his family probably needed to move so he could be closer to his family, so he'd spend less time on the road and that sort of thing. And so um, God did something really incredible as he began to think about a house. Rather than going the traditional route and, and asking a realtor, he, he just began praying boldly. And so I asked him, hey, could you remind me uh, kind of the details of that story? And this is what he said. He said, we had planned on putting our home on the market in late April. This is 2016. So he was planning for the, the spring to put the house on the market to allow the kids to finish the school year. He said, however, I immediately began praying very specifically that God would send a buyer for our home out of the blue. In early 2017, I was going to get a new pair of boots after work when my phone rang. It was a number I didn't have stored in my phone, but I answered it anyway. It was an old friend from high school. He asked me about my new job and we caught up for a few minutes. And then he asked me a question that brought tears to my eyes. He said, is there any chance you wanna move closer to your job because we wanna buy your house? I never had a doubt that God was in the career change, but the amazing thing was that he took an opportunity to show me. And I remember sitting in small group hearing this story, just being stunned that my friend believed God could provide, and he, he asked him, and he did. 
And I just want to be really clear for any of you who are realtors, I'm not trying to put you out of business. I think, <laughs> I think what you do is good, um, okay? And I also know that, that God doesn't always respond the same way that he did for my friend. But my friend believed, and God delivered. And it reminded me in a powerful way, like James said, that, that one of the greatest dangers that we run in our prayer lives is not taking time to ask God. James says the second danger is when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And honestly, this is a lot easier for me to understand because we know that we're not supposed to be selfish. We talked about that a few minutes ago. We know that we're not supposed to ask God for a Lamborghini, but how do we know where the line is between being selfish and asking God? I mean, we don't want to ask for a fancy car, but can we at least ask for a car that runs and, and operates well? And the problem is that's not the right question because the real question is how do we completely surrender our will to God's will? And Jesus demonstrated this perfectly, this tension perfectly in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he died. In Mark chapter 14, we read these words. Jesus is praying to his father and he says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. And what Jesus means is, God, please don't let me have to do this. Please, please keep me from having to go through this experience. And so just hours before Jesus is going to die, he talks to his father and he says, God, please don't make me die. And Jesus knew that that wasn't going to happen. So why would Jesus pray a prayer that he knew God wasn't going to answer? And the reason is because Jesus knew that he needed to be real and he needed to be authentic in his relationship with his father and he also knew that, that God cared about that, that God wanted to hear from him. And yet, he knew very clearly that he, he needed to ask. He knew the danger of not asking, but he also knew the, the danger of asking selfishly. And so if you read the whole verse, it says this. Mark chapter 14, verse 36, it says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. See, Jesus understood very clearly the balance between sharing his desires and then also completely trusting God. And that's what asking God is all about. It's about bringing to him our real selves and then also trusting that he knows what is best. And so this series is based on a book called A Praying Life um, by Paul Miller. And we have a few copies of this in the cafe. I promise I'm not getting a stipend for promoting it, but I really think it is a great book. Um, I, I've read it a few different times now. I think it's a really powerful book. But in this book, the author kind of highlights these two dangers, the, dangers of, the danger of not asking, the danger of asking selfishly. And he puts them in a chart. And so I just want to look at this chart with you today. On the left side of the chart, it says not asking. There it is, not asking. And it notes that when we don't ask, that we are separated from God. That, that we put God beside ourselves, and, and we, we don't come to him and we're not real, and by doing so, we pull ourselves away from God. And the only antidote to that is to bring our true selves to God, to say, God, this is where I really am. This is what I care about. On the other side of the chart, it says asking selfishly. And in this case, we put ourselves, our will above God's will. We, we put our wants and our desires and our way of thinking above the one who made us. And so the only way to overcome to that is to, to truly surrender our will to God. And so we have to live in the middle of these two, these two dangers. We have to live in the middle of, of not asking 
and then and not trusting it and make sure that we both ask and trust. And this is tough for us because we tend to like the way that we think about things. So Pastor BJ shared this, this quote last week, and I'm going to revisit it again because I think it's just a powerful reminder of what we're talking about today. It's from an author named Timothy Keller, and this is what he said. He says, if we know what God knows, we would ask exactly for what he gives us. If we knew what God knows, we would ask exactly for what he gives us. If we understood things from God's perspective, we would ask him to answer our prayers exactly the way that he does. And so obviously we can't know what God knows. So we're left asking God and also trusting God. So how do we do that? How do we ask God and trust God? Well, I know it's not going to sound like a very complex solution, but I think we have to ask God and trust God. We have to actually do it. And I love what the, the author of this book says about this. He says, if you're going to take Jesus' offer to ask anything seriously, what's the first thing you have to do? Any child will tell you, you have to ask. And in order to ask, you have to reflect on what you want. Now, when my kids were younger, I, I used to write down their prayers from time to time, the things they said from time to time, uh, because I wanted to remember them later in life. And so uh, a few weeks ago, I came across a list of prayers that my kids prayed when they were like five, six, and seven. And so um, here's their list, just four things. Um, God, please help us to have a lot of fun today. Seems like a reasonable request for a kid to pray. Um, the next one says, this is apparently my daughter trying to manipulate my son through God, but it says, <laughs> I pray that Wesley would let me play his DS or his video game system today. The next one, I, I'm not so sure if it was for God or me, but it says, please help Daddy to play Lego Pirates of the Caribbean with me tonight. So I'm pretty sure that prayer got answered yes. Um, and the last one, I have no idea what this means. Um, says, thank you for the ham sandwich and my lunch. So far, so good. So I can be in Franklin's club. <laughs> Not a clue. Here's, here's what I do know, is kids know how to ask God's for, God for things, and God wants us to come to him and ask him for things as well. God wants us to come to him and bring our, the things that have the attention of our hearts and our minds to him and to be real with him. And, you know, I've been thinking recently about how strange it is the way that we pray, the way that we talk to God. We would, we would pr pretty much not talk to other people the way that we talk to God. I mean, can you imagine if I sat down at dinner with my wife and I was like, thanks for the food. I'd really like a brand new table saw. By the way, I have some tough stuff coming up this week I'd really like your help with. Thanks, great chat, love you. <laughs> Probably not going to go over real well, right? I can tell you that it's not. Um, <laughs> And yet, that's exactly how we talk to God at times. We come to him with our shopping list, and we just kind of read it off, rather than really being in relationship with him. And when we ask him, genuinely coming to him with what has the attention of our hearts and our minds. So what God really wants from us is to come to him, to connect with him, to bring our hearts and our minds to him, not just the big things, but also the small things, and then to trust him with those things. And so first we ask God, but then we also have to trust him. And like any relationship, trust is built over time. You know, when we have a new relationship or we have a new friendship, there's always that kind of like new energy around the relationship that's really exciting. And that's awesome, but we also know that the relationships that really matter are the ones that take time and take investment 
and are built upon trust. And that's the kind of relationship that we are designed to have with God. So how do we learn to trust God? We start to live life with him. We ask things of him. We talk to him about everything. When we start to ask God for things, we start to see how he provides for us, and we start to give him credit where credit is due. You know, it's interesting to me, but I've realized recently that, that I'm really good at noticing when God doesn't give me what I asked for, but I'm not so good at noticing when he gives me exactly what I asked for. In fact, sometimes I'm surprised it takes months and even years for me to go, oh, wow, look at, look at what God did there. And I wonder how often we, we miss the opportunity to give God credit because we aren't paying attention to when he actually responds to our prayers the way that we expect him to. And so I'm reminded that, that when it comes to this, that, that God really wants us to come to him obviously asking, but also trusting. And as we do that, something fascinating happens. As we give God gratitude for what he has done for us, we, we start to see that it's not just the big things in our life that matter. God shows up in little ways all the time. And as we watch him do that, it affects the way that we trust him. And as we start to trust him more, we spend more time with him, we talk about more things with him, we start to see him move in and throughout every aspect of our lives. And that deepens our trust in him even more. And as we do that, we start to care more about the things that he cares about. And he begins to transform our prayer lives. And so it takes time, um, but the journey toward a rich and meaningful prayer life must include both asking and trust. And I didn't really understand this fully until I came to FCC a few years ago. I mean, prayer has always been a part of my life. Um, obviously, but I came here, and, and I remember the first time I heard Pastor Wayne say, we are a praying church, and I would 100% agree with that. We are people of prayer, and God has called all of us to be in prayer about the things of our church and the things in our community and the things around the world. God wants all of us to do that. But I've also had the opportunity to work very specifically with our intercessory prayer team over the last few years, and so part of what I do is kind of collect the prayer requests that come in and organize them and share them with the team, but something amazing happened as I started looking at this list. And literally, over the last few years, hundreds of requests have come in. And amazingly, as I look back at those, I see over and over again how God responds to those, often in exactly the way that we asked. And so, as a team, we've taken the time to go, you know what, God, we are going to be grateful for what you have done. And we are going to take time to notice and give you credit where credit is due. And in the times when we can't do that, we're going to take time to trust you. Lord, that you, you know what is best, and we're going to continue to ask, but we're, gonna, we're going to continue to trust. And so with that in mind, as with every other, series, uh, every other sermon in this series, I want to give us a very practical way that we can do that very same thing this week. And so I want to invite each of us this week to ask God for five very specific things, whether that's regarding a person or a situation or a hope, or a dream you have, or just a really practical need that you have. And I want to encourage you to write these down in one of two ways. If you're a pen and paper person, grab some note cards. And on top of each note card, write one request. If you're a digital person, there is a prayer cards app in the App Store. It does cost a couple dollars, but you can do the same thing in a digital way. And what I want to invite you to do is on top of each card, I want you to write down one of five things that you would like to pray for in the next seven days. And as you come to God, don't just come to him and, and read those off. Come to him and talk to him 
about those things. Because remember, it's, it's just about as much about building a relationship as it is asking God to move in that situation. And so as you talk with him, as he bring things, brings things to mind, whether it's scripture or additional things that you need to be praying for in regard to that, write those down and just continue to pray and ask God to move in each of those situations. And I believe that, that as we do that, as we continue to do that, as we thank God for the things he does respond to and, and trust him for the things that he responds differently than we expect, as we add to that list, that as we both ask and trust, that we will see that God is truly moving in powerful ways and that will truly deepen our relationship with him. So with that in mind, let me pray for us this morning. God, we just thank you Lord, that we get to come to you in prayer. Lord, this is real. This is you hearing from us. And God, we thank you for the incredible gift that is. Lord, thank you for the reminders of your son, Jesus, Lord, to, to ask you for things, God, because that is what you want us to do, because you are a good father who wants to hear from us. And Lord, we affirm, Lord, that, that your way is best, Lord. We like to think that our way is best, but Lord, we know your way is best. And so as we ask, God, help us to also trust you. Lord, if this, if it's been a long season for any of us, Lord, where we have not stepped into this, Lord, help us to step in new. God, to, to create an opportunity to see you work, Lord, and to be reminded of your faithfulness. And Lord, for those who've been doing this for a long time, God, help us to just remain faithful in this, God, to, to build an even deeper relationship with you. God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you, you care for us, Lord. And we thank you most of all for the gift of Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.